listening to The Remix Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Rupnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. I'm here today with Alex, and Alex is an expectant father. Congratulations, Thank first you. of all, Alex. And I know that you, in order to be able to have a child and for your wife to have a pregnancy, you chose to use donor sperm. That was the, the way that it it uh, was going to work for you guys. And you can get into that a little bit later. I want to jump right into kind of what's on the top of, of your mind. And that is Alex is struggling with who to tell and who not to tell. So his wife is pregnant and there'll be babies on the way and we'll be here soon. And they're unsure who they should share this with. Tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I know that's so relevant to so many people. Yeah. So, um, like you said, we are pregnant and expecting, uh, in February with a baby that we, uh, use donor sperm to conceive. And we've been lucky enough that we've had a really good support system the entire time from even before we made the decision to use donor sperm, we've had a good, um, network of family and even some close friends that knew that we were struggling to conceive and knew kind of um, what we had gone through and the uh, hurdles that we had to try to uh, overcome to get to this point. And so that's the good thing for us. We do already have a group of people that know um, that we used a sperm donor. We just are at this point where everything up to this point has been theoretical. And now we have this baby on the way and we're we're kind of sitting here going, okay, uh, this is really happening. <laughs> it's Who? getting real. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we want to make the best decisions possible for, for our family and especially for our baby. And I, I just want to know what the best thing for her is going to be. You know, I, I know we have a good group right now of people that will, that know everything and that will support her and love her and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just kind of struggle with where to draw that line. Um, how mm-hmm. far do we extend, you know, this openness? Do we, should we just be open to the world and, or, you know, only, only uh, mention it if it comes up? I mean, there's just a whole, there's a whole range and I think everybody falls in a different place. Uh, yeah. So true. To know. Yeah. And I just want, just for cur- clarification, you are planning to tell uh, your child that she was donor conceived. Yes. And so that's not in question. You've, you know, you're now this generation, I guess we could say is, is um, learning that disclosing and telling the child is the right way to go about it. And really can, you can alleviate a lot of the challenges that come with secrecy that come with that feeling of betrayal later in life. And so, yeah, yeah, I think, um, not a thing. I know that we are planning on, um, telling her from a very young age, from even before she can comprehend it, just, um, I know that you've said a lot, just kind of practicing really, uh, it's, it's easy to talk to a baby and you can kind of practice and start having those conversations. And, and, uh, as they get older, it's just kind of something that they always knew. And there's never this big memorable, uh, in either a good or bad way moment where they, where they learned this major thing about themselves. Yeah. So that's really not the issue for us. We we're we're totally on board with, with her knowing from the get go, mm-hmm. it's really just more about, who to let in, you know, through infertility and stuff, it was so personal and painful. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of, a lot of people that we kept that from that we didn't really want to 
be a part of that, you know, with yeah. us. And, but now we, even some people that we don't necessarily trust a whole lot, even family members that we don't maybe trust a whole lot, we mm-hmm. just start to question, well, man, it's, you know, does her, does her grandpa need to know? Um, mm-hmm. Even, even if he's not going to be in her life very much, there's just, there's a whole lot of different scenarios like that, you know? Yeah. I think you bring up such a good point because not everybody has, I mean, most people don't have a fully functioning um, nuclear and extended family. And when I mean functioning, I mean, you know, like everyone's psychologically healthy and everyone's just gets along great. I mean, obviously this is real life, you know, families, families fight, families have issues. There's, there's difficult personalities in different, you know, families. And so, yeah, so you're saying there might, in, in your family or, you know, we won't get into specifics, but there might be family members that you just don't trust to handle the information in a way that would be um, productive. And that may even be harmful to your child. Yeah. I honestly, my number one fear, um, there's a few, uh, a small number, but a few people that I really fear would at some point kind of for whatever reason, lash out and try to weaponize our child's conception against her mm, um, or yeah, against okay. us. And um, that's really my biggest fear. And so, yeah. you know, if, if something is for her benefit um, and it might be a little bit uncomfortable or even painful for me, I mm-hmm. still am willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I don't want to do is, you know, anything trying to help her out that's actually going to harm her, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's kind of comes down to the boundaries, you know, that you're setting for, to protect your family. And, you know, you would teach her, I know you would, but as a parent, you would teach her to protect herself against people that could potentially harm her, you know, emotionally, mentally, of course, physically. And so I know you would teach that you know, if it were anything else. And and I would say the same applies here. And even if that is a family member, because that's the reality. I mean, we, that happens in some families is that there are family members that can be harmful. And so you have to protect them from that person. And you're the parent, you're the guide, the one in charge. That's a hundred percent fair and reasonable to not share the information with people that you believe has, have the potential to weaponize it. Absolutely. That one's probably kind of almost more clear cut for you, but are there more like even gray areas where it gets even harder than, not that that's easy. Cause I know even, you know, family is still, it's hard. Even if they're harmful yeah. people, they're still family. So it's, it's really hard sometimes to, to see that line when you're in it, you know, when you're right in the middle of it. Sure. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, like I said, we, we do luckily have a large uh, network of, of family and stuff that does know and is fully supportive and everything. But I have a really large family and you just, sometimes you sit there and go, man, how far out do we draw this? You know, who, who does need to know? Because I know it's, it is just natural for most families, you know, as soon as a baby's born, there begins the conversation of, you know, resemblance. And I, I, I want to make sure that we never put anyone, especially, you know, our child in any type of awkward situation where I kind of pass that burden onto her, you know, and I know a lot of people kind of say, well, it'll become their news to share. But if I can make it easier by making it my news to share now, then I'm willing to do that. There's just like I said, there's just kind of a lot of gray areas, even 
you know, talking to friends about it. I, one of the biggest things probably that I struggle with is this whole idea of openness and, and who to tell and who to keep it from, because we know of people that live in our area that we've been able to connect to and become good friends with because they were open with us sharing their, not only their infertility stories, but the fact that they had used donors and, you know, had these people not opened up and shared that information with other people that got to us, uh, we would have never had that type of support and guidance um, going through the process. And I, I honestly am not sure we would be here right now uh, where we are in this pregnancy without those people. And so I also, you know, a lot of times feel that I'm being selfish. Um, mm. You know, I'm just protecting myself, my own ego, and um, mm. trying to avoid any type of shame or embarrassment. Yeah. When I put myself out there, I could potentially be, you know, what they were to us for somebody else. Hmm. Yeah, maybe someday. I mean, they were ready to share. And so they did. And I, you know, I, I know exactly what you're going through because a lot of people that are going through, and you did too, that went through infertility piece. You had that same question is, and you maybe knew you didn't want to share, but you still got asked that question by people when are you having kids and Mm-hmm. And you had to respond to them, and there were people that you didn't want to go into details with, and so you you learned probably different ways to address those people, and um and ha- and how to answer those types of questions. But it's still so hard. So it kind of that same approach that you took when you were going through the infertility piece is now moves forward, and and that's kind of hard for a lot of people because they thought I thought this infertility thing was behind me, and I wouldn't have to keep doing this. But when you build your family in a different way you, those skills you built during infertility, do you, you, you end up still needing them moving forward. So what you do is I I remember there's this exercise that I I came up with because I I was going through this too, in terms of getting questions about, you know, my own family building and when are you guys going to have another one? And, and so I came up with an exercise to help people because there's no clear cut answer. There's, you know, to tell you like who to tell, who not to tell, um, it's so individual, like you said, but I can, I can give you kind of a, almost a method to use and anyone that's listening out there to use if, um, when they're faced with these types of situations and, and it's really kind of, it's the, the exercise you maybe remember it called consider if, and the if is like, um, an acronym for, um, I stands for intentions and F stands for feelings. And so what you can, that you take the I first and you look at the I and you say, what's the intention? What's the intention of sharing with this person? Or what's, what's the intention of this person asking this question? You know, can I assess what they're intending here? Is it curiosity? Is it, um, are they weaponizing? You know, are they being divisive? Are they asking out of ignorance? Mm -hmm. Are they being, you know, yeah, just, kind of rude. And so when you can figure out what the intentions is, that gives you a, that gives you a direction because you know, that nice person who's asking because they can relate to you, you know, the intentions are different there than the other person who's asking you because they have five, five kids and they want to feel superior to you. And because you had, you had a hard process, right? You know, those are very different intentions and you're going to treat those people very differently. Same in the family, same with, you know, aunt Edna, who, you know, wants to put you on the spot versus that, you know, sweet uncle who 
talk, talk quietly with you in the corner. So these are different situations. So you consider the intention first. And then once you know the intention, you can decide, do I want to share? Is this safe to share? Can I share? And then the next thing that comes up is the F and the F is for feelings. What's coming up in you? Is this making me uncomfortable right now? This, you know, the fact that this person's asking me or bringing this up, do I feel uneasy? Do I feel kind of violated? Don't answer. You know, that's giving you information. It's also giving you information that you still just have work to do, that you want to go home and just figure this out, sort through it, you know, think about it. And so that's kind of the, the acronym that I give people because there is no clear cut answer. You just take it like case by case and person by person. And, you know, the timing of it, you know, you kind of trust it and allow it to unfold as it does and know that you're not hiding anything. This is your personal information, you know. Your family right. and how you built it is not for everybody to know. That's very personal. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really good. I think you're right. I think there's been times where we have shared, not really planning to because uh, whoever we were talking with, um, it just kind of felt right, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, uh, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can be at some point, you know, comfortable enough to, to be more open than we currently are. I, like I said, I want to put myself in those positions to be able to help other people that have, that have been going through this too, because it's not easy. And especially as a man, uh, I will say, you know, I felt very alone a lot of times, you know, yeah. there's, there's not a whole lot of, um, not a whole lot of guys talking about going through infertility for one, but then especially having to use donor sperm. And so mm-hmm. there's, you know, I luckily, um, through Instagram and that kind of thing, I have been able to connect, connect with a lot of guys. And the thing that I hear the most probably is we're going through the same thing, you know, how can I help my husband? And so I want to be able not, not only through Instagram, but in, in, uh, you know, real life interactions, face-to-face interactions, being able to connect with people that maybe, you know, we can help them through it. But I think you're exactly right that there's just kind of have to be, there's always going to have to be kind of this meter going on where I'm kind of gauging the other person and deciding whether they are worthy of being in on this information or not. Yeah. The good thing is that it gets easier. It really doesn't like before you know it, you'll be doing it automatically and you won't have to think about it. It'll just, you'll just, you'll, you'll like embody it. You'll know it. It's that's, that's a pretty cool place to be. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's so awesome that you want to help people you know, and that you want to be that voice for people in the community, especially men, because men don't feel comfortable talking about it as much. And, you know, men still need support and resources and people to talk to. So I think that's so great. But I do, I think about Brene Brown talks about in one of her books, maybe Daring Greatly about vulnerability and mm-hmm. how we do need to be vulnerable and, and all these good things. But she also talks about not necessarily being vulnerable when you're still in the painful healing part of it, Mm. because then you feel exposed and you can actually be re-injured. And I remember her telling a story about how she got up and was talking about something personal before she was ready, before she was fully like through it herself. And somebody said something and she got some feedback and it was really hard on her and it kind of threw her back a bit. Mm. And so I kind of think the same thing applies here is that you're so fresh into this and so new that, that it's okay to not be that person yet to everyone, you need to kind of pick and choose and pick and choose what's right for you and what feels comfortable to you right now, because you're still adjusting. And so, and you already are, 
a voice and being helpful to other people. So I would just take the pressure off yourself, you know, because you're doing great. I mean, you're really, you really are. Well, I appreciate that. And it's really interesting too. It's, I kind of sit here and think about that as you talk about the Brene Brown example. Most of the people that I know uh, or know of that have been more and more open about their children being donor conceived have children already. You know, it's, I, I think I've always kind of thought, well, it'll be easier when we're on the other side, you know, in quotes, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and I think that those examples are a little bit of proof to me that that is probably the case. You know, they're not, those people aren't hurting as much as I was a year ago, you know, when they're, when they're out and sharing that information, they've, they've kind of had their, their happy ending. They have their child that they, that they love. And so maybe it becomes a little bit easier to share at that point too. Absolutely. It does. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about just how, like the fact that so many men couldn't even talk about it to the point that doctors were telling couples to keep it a secret. Cause when sperm donation first started, it started in secrecy because the medical profession was protecting the husband, protecting possibly the profession, possibly the practice, you know, it was very experimental early on. And so it began that way. And then it just be kind of, it just, I think it became very standard. And so for years you have this like closed lid on all of this, you know, because sperm donation started so much more before egg donation you know, men didn't even, they weren't even allowed to admit it happened to themselves. So talk about like this deep denial, you know, just buried under there. And I've heard more than one times lately that the men that were uh, the fathers had struggled with depression, struggled with, you know, maybe some different types of challenges with addiction or, or various things over the years. And, and it would be really interesting to see some studies because that secret, I think, just took up a, a residence in the family that was unhealthy and men, you know, didn't know how to cope with it. And so there was just this, you know, it, it could be just ever present. So for you to even be at this place you are now is like, like leaps and bounds beyond where we've been, where, where this, this topic has been. And so it is, it's like a, you know, you're paving a new road. I mean, that is, that is some hard work. seems like you're a type of person who likes to, you know, really make things happen. And um, it just takes time. It takes time. So I, I just, I applaud you for that, what you're doing now. And it's just that step is taking us in the right direction and it'll keep leading to somewhere. I do believe that. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I think that men need so many more services than we're giving in infertility. And, you know, the UK has really, really been giving this a lot of attention lately, uh, which is so great. You know, there's a lot of voices over in the UK talking about male infertility, how to help men that are going through infertility, how to lift the stigma, the shame, realize it's a medical condition. And I think that's just amazing. So, you know, we need to have that initiative starting over here too in the US and get behind that and get some momentum behind that. Yeah, I totally agree. It's tough because you know, I'm sure it's hard to see the demand for those kinds of services for men because we're not out there talking about it. You know, yeah. we're not putting ourselves in those vulnerable situations to say, uh, hey, I'm going through this and it sucks. And I, you know, I, I want somebody to talk to or I want to find others that are going through it or whatever. I think Instagram is a pretty good uh, example of that. When you when you start searching through infertility accounts or you know that kind of thing, it is ninety nine percent women running yeah. those accounts, and they're that are able to be uh, more open and vulnerable and stuff. And so, yeah, I hope there's a shift for sure. 
It is. It's like it's more accepted in society that women can talk about that, but men in quotes aren't supposed to. And you know, it's not true. The practice that I work in here in Dallas, there's an older man who runs a group, a men's group, and they meet every week. And I mean, talk about dedicated. These guys, you know, they get together and, you know, some nights maybe they they don't talk much about, but they just get together. Maybe they talk about a sporting team or, you know, um, but they they have that shared time together and they can talk about other things if they want to. And so I know that there are groups for men out there that where men can meet and they can share with each other. And so you can find them. It's just, they're harder to find for sure. Um, But I wanted to ask you, what do you think, what would have helped you or what still can help you? What is it that same kind of thing, like a support group uh, where you meet with a group of guys and you can talk openly or what do you think we could do to, to better serve men? Yeah, that's a really good question and probably, you know, varies uh, person to person. But for me, like I mentioned earlier, we had those couples that we were lucky enough to meet in person and meet their children. And I think for me, it was so huge to see other families who, you know, had children through donor conception that were just normal families, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. I think, I think when I was sitting back thinking about this situation for ourselves, it always just felt so weird. And I just, I don't know, I I think I really questioned how it would look and how it would feel and all that kind of stuff. And so just to Mm -hmm. to kind of meet those people and have it normalized a little Mm -hmm. bit. That makes sense. And even a slightly smaller scale, but still an important one, Mm -hmm. meeting people in quotes, meeting people online on Instagram Mm -hmm. or whatever, finding other people that were in a very similar situation and just reading through posts and about feelings that were just so validating of our own and just Mm, feeling like, just feeling finally like, oh man, we're not alone. We're not the only ones that go through this. I think was huge for me, especially in the decision to use donor sperm. I think that was just something that took me a while to, um, I never was against it, but it took me a while to just finally really close the door on being able to pass on my own genetics. And so I think seeing those other people, not only in person, but even, you know, like I said, on Instagram was really, really big for me. Yeah, that could be, that could be really helpful to a lot of people. So I hope I didn't brush over your question too much about the who to tell, because that's such that is such a huge question and it's such a good question. So many people have that same concern and, you know, worry about how it's all going to work out. And one day at a time, you know, I think there is time for this to all unfold naturally and a bit slowly. And so you can just kind of take it as it comes to a certain extent with who to tell and who not to tell and, and trust what's coming your way. And, you know, always regroup with your wife and say, Hey, you know, this happened tonight and it was weird. I remember going to parties and I would have like a really bad situation come up. I'd get asked this terrible question and I was looked like an idiot and was caught off guard and fumbling around with my words and then turning bright red and embarrassed. And, and I remember coming home just mortified because I didn't handle that right. You know, maybe I said too much about our story or maybe I, you know, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. And so I would go home and I would talk to my husband and I would talk about it and I'd say, what can I do differently next time? Because that didn't feel good. And I don't want to be in that position again. And if I'm going to move forward with confidence with this, then I want to get this to a point where I can 
handle these situations and they don't throw me off guard. You know, they don't throw me off. And I would just kind of go through it in my mind and go, okay, what would I do differently? How can I do that? I know I'm not a rude person, so I don't, I'm not going to be mean and rude to people. Um, and so I would just kind of rehearse and think it through and go, okay, I know what I can do. I can do it. I can say this. And somebody says that to me, or Hey, I can make a joke here or, you know, so it's almost like case by case scenario by scenario. And it's like, learn as you go. It's experience. Yeah. That's the best way yeah. I can describe it. You know? No, I think you're exactly right. And I know in my own experience, it, it has already been, you know, easier and easier the more we get into it. I think it helps a, that we've never had any type of, you know, adverse reaction or anything. Everybody's always been very loving and supportive. Probably that some of that is thanks to the fact that we have, we have been, you know, pretty selective with who we're going to trust uh, with this information. But I think the truth is too, a lot of people probably just don't, don't care as much as I think they will. But mm -hmm. one thing that I did, I, especially after coming in contact with you and getting your book and starting to learn as much as I could about, you know, all things uh, donor conception, I worried about this, this sharing part of it. Um, mm -hmm. And I worried that if I'm not willing to share, then maybe I haven't fully, you know, really accepted um, what we've gone through. Maybe I haven't really accepted, um, what, you know, what my condition or, um, the fact that we use donor sperm or whatever. And so I just kind of felt like, you know, I want to be, I want to be comfortable in that decision and confident in that decision because we did decide that this is the best decision for us. And, and it was the best decision for us, you know? And so I want our daughter to feel that way. I want her to never question you know, herself and I, I want her to be confident. But one thing I, I did to try to kind of work on it, just being able to talk about it was uh, we were getting together with a small group of friends at our house. And I told my wife before we got together that I was going to tell them that night, I was going to tell that group. And this is um, before we had uh, really begun treatment, but after we had decided that we were going to move forward with using donor sperm. And so it's, it's a, it's a small group setting where we kind of go around the room and just share what's going on with us and really close friends, people that I knew I could trust that care about me. Um, but I just decided to share with them and, uh, the reaction that I got, you know, the outpouring of love and support that we've had from them since then too, has really been big for me. And I think that particular meeting really kind of instilled some confidence in me. Um, you said, you know, it kind of gets easier as you go. And I think, like I said, I think maybe when you have, you know, when I'm holding a baby in my arms, I'm probably going to have another level of confidence mm -hmm. to be able to just yeah. say, yeah, this is how we got here. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not ashamed of it. There's probably some baby steps along the way, but I think kind of making myself practice talking about it to those mm -hmm. people has, has really been big for me too. That's a great way to do it. And what sounds like it was such an amazing and supportive, safe place to talk about it too. So I'm really glad you had that. That's really yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. You know, it just takes time and you don't have to be a hundred percent ready and comfortable and open and willing to talk about it to move forward. You know, it just takes time and, and, and it's an adjustment. You know, it's like an, it's like acclimating to a new place. You have to just get used to what that feels like and get comfortable there. And while you're getting comfortable, you, you're not necessarily ready to just tell everybody. And sometimes it's a personality thing too. You know, some people are just, it's, you know, they're more private than others and not as open. And so that's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
at all. Yeah. yeah. I just, I definitely, I, I'm, I'm definitely more of a private person probably in my personal mm-hmm. life. I just, you know, like I said, it's the main thing for me is what's going to be best for our child. And, um, so we're, we're just trying to work through that. I know there's a lot of gray areas and stuff. I, I think part of what comes with the territory of this, if we're planning on being open with her from day one is that little kids are prone to say anything. And so she could be the one telling lots of people in our life. I don't know. I think one of the things that scares me though, is her getting as a, you know, young impressionable child saying something about um, her donor or something like that. And maybe getting, some type of sideways reaction from a family member or um, something like that. I think that's probably my biggest fear and and biggest reason why I have these questions about, you know, how far do we extend this, this uh, line of communication within family, especially um, because I would, I would hate for her to ever kind of catch any of that, that maybe we could get out of the way now and kind of, you know, I, I would much rather absorb it for her uh, now. People say the, darndest things. I never tell parents it won't happen because it could, mm-hmm. you know, and try not to take it all on now because it's one day at a time. But when you go through that, you go through it together. You go through it as a family together. And I think that's the most important thing is that you do that. And that's how you learn your children, learn the skills to overcome the challenges is by you like being by their side and teaching them how, why people behave badly sometimes. And, you know, yeah, I love that. It's hard. It's hard. But it's, man, it makes you strong as a family going yeah. through those types of things. So don't be too afraid of them. Actually, if you can, maybe even welcome them as a gift of sorts, right? Like a gift to challenge you to be stronger as a family. So yeah, they, they make you level up. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> there is no stagnancy in this uh, choice, in this type of family building. You will be forced to grow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know, way back when that even adoption was kind of a, you know, more of a hush hush thing, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in older generations grew up not knowing that they were adopted or, Mm -hmm, um, you know, that kind of thing. And so, and I feel like that's just not really a thing anymore, um, Mm -hmm. with, with adoption Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping, you know, there was somebody that said the other day that their, their kids maybe it was uh, Eric had said that his kids grew up with other kids that knew that they were donor conceived in school even. And so just like kind of how there's been a shift in adoption, I hope there's kind of that shift too, where our kid can, it's just kind of, you know, normal in quotes where there's, mm-hmm. they, they don't have to feel like this, uh, you know, different outsider. They're just another kid with, with another family that was made a different way, you know? Absolutely. I've had a lot of teachers reach out to me about, my modern family tree project that I put out last week and they've asked for copies. And so several teachers and parents are going to be spreading that in schools just so they can encourage and they recognize that there needs to be a more modern look at family and not just from the genetic standpoint, but from epigenetics too, and how the environment um, influences our genes. And so, yeah. So hoping that the same will happen for the kids sake. So they don't have to um, have as much heartache. I mean, I think I posted a little bit earlier in the month or last month about that telling your child early doesn't guarantee you're going to avoid challenges. It allows you to face those challenges together as a family. Sure. That's what it's all about. And yeah, hopefully this path gets easier. You know, I can kind of look back at us 
even just, uh, you know, a year or two years and see a lot of growth and a lot of change and, um, and our ideas. And I, we're both definitely willing to learn and shift our plan based on what we think is best. And so, um, you've been a big part of that for us and thanks. just all, all of the, the information that you put out there and all the help that you give in your online presence and through three makes baby and all of those things, that's, that's all been huge. And, and meeting, uh, other people and having those types of conversations with them too, mm-hmm. and kind of getting a glimpse into the future a little bit of, uh, what it's going to be like to raise donor conceived children and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's just going to be so many more generations to come. Well, I can't wait for you to hear some of the other podcasts in it. I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it'd be so cool just to have like a meetup someday, you know, where we all, meet somewhere and can meet each other and just have conversations, get to know each other. I mean, it just seems like there's just, you know, could be some really cool things to come from it. So that would be great. Yeah. I would love that. We're, uh, we're not too far from you. So maybe, maybe one day we'll be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee or something. For sure. For sure. And when, uh, when are you due? We are due February 25th. Yes. Yeah, oh, so. February baby. That's my birth month. So I'm Me rooting. Too. I'm rooting for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine's the 20th. So I'm kind of hoping for oh, that. Perfect. Yeah, so I, uh, it's also a leap year, so it could kind of fall anywhere in there. I don't oh, know. How, so, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's so exciting. Well, I am, um, just thrilled to know you and to be able to, to follow your story and get to see baby when she gets here on, on Insta, maybe in person someday. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you and, and all that you do for people like me. Oh, thanks. Man, that makes it worth it. Tell your wife hi. And um, yeah, we'll, we will, I'm sure we'll chat soon. If you want to learn how to handle questions with your family and friends and acquaintances about infertility, about the way you've grown your family, use the consider if exercise to help you be quick on your feet. It's in Three Makes a Baby, my book on Amazon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow me for more content, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jana Rupnow LPC. And you can also grab a copy of my book, Three Makes Baby, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Target.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it and share it with a friend if you like it. Have a great day.